0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to HubShots episode 246. In this episode, we talk about HubSpot personalization, the use of smart content, tips, and strategies. You're listening to Asia Pacific's number one HubSpot focused podcast, where we discuss HubSpot tips, tricks, and strategies for growing your sales, service, marketing, and now operations results. My name is Ian Jacob from Search and Be Found and with me is Craig Bailey from Zen Systems. How are you, Craig? I'm well. Good to be back and
1: thanks, listeners, for your patience. We took last week off, didn't we, Ian? And that was my fault. Moving on.
0: It's all good, Craig. personal
1: things. Life gets in the way, but good to be back and a great topic to talk about tonight after we've gone through some of our quick shots, isn't it?
0: That's right. So, let's start with our quick shots and then we'll dive into personalization. So, the first thing is Instagram has changed their policy. And in doing so, broke all HubSpot Instagram modules.
1: Yeah. So, if you've got an Instagram feed in your HubSpot site, it's probably stopped working and you've probably gone, what's going on? So, this happened for us for a bunch of clients. Yeah, that's all Instagram's fault. It's not HubSpot's fault. And a bunch of modules in the HubSpot marketplace. In fact, we contacted a few of them. uh, The provider said, yep, sorry, it's broken. You've got to do all kinds of crazy things to get it working, like having a PHP server and all this kind of stuff. And they've, yeah, they've actually just taken their modules out of the marketplace. Wow. Yeah, because Instagram, I'm actually, I think it's so ridiculous. And I actually think Instagram will probably change again. So, I'm waiting for that to be fixed. But yeah, a bunch of suddenly errors appearing on homepages of our clients. Because Instagram, yeah, very frustrating. So, listeners, if that was you, then I share your pain.
0: The next thing is there is a collaboration sidebar in ads, forms, and marketing email and campaigns. And not to mention some of the shift of menu items within HubSpot, Craig. Oh, yeah.
1: Did you notice landing pages straight and under marketing right. now? Yeah. Having that sub-menu. I'm just waiting for when automation, you know, workflows, that'll Correct. just appear under marketing. That's right. Oh, I guess that is across other hubs it as well. But most hub. of all, it's, yeah, I think that's got a shift. The automation menu, I think, yeah, it's it's got a target on its back.
0: But that's all right. I think it's those incremental changes, right? But what I like about this collaboration sidebar it gives you the ability to make comments in ads, in forms, in marketing emails, and in campaigns with other people within the team. And I think that's a big step yeah, forward.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree.
0: Also, something new that some people might be aware of: there are new properties in marketing campaigns, which include campaign owner, start date, end date, campaign goal, and audience. And I think this is another good step towards understanding more about your campaigns. And the last one that I that I love, Craig, is the association of ads. With your marketing campaigns, and this is another step forward in bringing this all together within the campaigns tool. Now, I was going to when I was testing this out, I wanted to include a particular ad or let's put an ad group for a campaign that a client was running, and because the ad pertaining to that campaign was in an ad group and it was in a campaign that included other things, I couldn't do that. And we don't happen to run those ads, so. My tip to listeners is make sure you are organizing your ads correctly in your campaigns so you can associate them to the right marketing campaigns within HubSpot. All right, listeners, on to our growth thought of the week, which is the benefits of personalization. Let's frame this
1: by talking about Amazon because everyone knows that Amazon experience, right? You go to the homepage on Amazon, oh, did they create this page just for me? It's exactly what I want. Or you get one of their emails. That's right. It's like, it's been tailor written for me. So, we all know that Amazon experience and we all aspire to it. And most of us will never get close, you know, I'm sorry to burst your bubble, but most of us will never get close anywhere near that. But nor do we necessarily have to. However, we can make the first step down that path to personalization. That's what we're going to talk about tonight, specifically around HubSpot's smart content, which they've enhanced, been in the product for ages, but they've enhanced recently. We're going to talk about that. And it's taking that first step on personalizing the experience for your visitors that could be contacts or they could be customers and making sure they get something that is tailored to them.
0: That's right. And in the shots below, we're going to dive into some of the smart content features and how you would use them in your business, Craig, because that's the whole thing, right? It's great having these smart content features, but how do we utilize them effectively in our businesses? And that's what we're going to dive into.
1: That's right. Because otherwise it becomes a great feature for demos, but never in the real world. And I'm sure that's, I'm sure the telemetry would bear that out. However, let's talk about how easy it is. And in particular, what's changed? Because people might, listeners might be saying, well, what's changed? You know, we've had smart content for ages. Yep you've had it in rich text modules correct, and perhaps even smart forms so you can switch out forms, right? But now the enhancement Hubshots made is they've actually added this smart rules feature to every module, even custom modules and things. I, you've know.
0: Got. I love
1: it. I love it as well. So you can tailor every part of a page now. And in the show notes, which by the way, you should subscribe to hubshots.com slash subscribe. There's tons of screenshots. And what We've done is we've actually chosen. Well, we're working with a theme. We're working with the clean theme, which is uh, Kevin from Helpful Heroes. Shout out to Kevin. And we wanted to show you screenshots of just using a theme and how it appears there because most of the screenshots you'll see in knowledge base articles and that from HubSpot are just the generic modules. Here's how it looks when you actually use a theme. So we walk you through, and it's really nice because we love the clean theme. You can just click smart rule and then you add. So it doesn't matter what type of module, you can actually add smart rules. And so, some of the ones, the screenshots we've got are just, say, using a hero image at the top. And for example, if you go to our um, HubShots 28-Day Marketing Challenge, you can see that we've actually tailored the hero message there. We've changed the CTA to change, if you've already registered, things like that. So, they're just simple things, return visitors. But what are some of the different categories that we can actually put smart rules on?
0: Right. The first one and most common one is the content list membership. The next is the contact lifecycle stage. We've also got country, device type, referral source, and now preferred language. Yeah. So, let's dive into this. I actually think
1: using contact lists is the most powerful because you can build an active list on any That's right. attribute on a contact. So, that can be not only attributes, job title, et cetera. It can also be behaviors, number of page views, number of marketing emails that they've opened, time between visits all these kind of things. So you can actually build lists on that and then use that as an entry into a smart rule to switch out content. You're essentially switching out content based on any of these categories. Now, one I'll, I'll just draw your attention to is referral source, Ian, just a bit of a lull. Referral source can be social media. And then if you choose the social media choices, did you see Google Plus is still in there? I
0: see it's hidden there, Craig. Hidden there, Google Plus. Who
1: knew, know, Who knew that was still alive? <laughs> HubSpot knows something we don't. Anyway, maybe it's coming back. Maybe. Anyway, what it highlights, though, is you can be very granular. You can say a smart rule based on a particular social media visitor from a particular social media site. Switch out the content based on that. So that's the level you can get to. We've got some examples. One I liked was pricing table. You might switch out a pricing table based on the country that they're visiting from. That's right. You know, even pricing might be different or a different currency code, those kinds of things. You've actually got a good example of using device type, mobile versus desktop.
0: That's right. I have. And what was interesting is looking at this graph that we put in the show notes, is you would see I've looked at submission rate, right? On the on the smart content module, and we did that based on if if they were a mobile device. I've actually taken a lot of the content to get them to the form quicker, or to make the core. Now, what's interesting is if you look at the stats, you'll go, "Gee, that smart content's really underperforming." But one thing to understand is it was a page for a company that people wanted to have a rental, so reduce the amount of content, just put the really pertinent content on the mobile device and the form. And one of the things that I did want to check is that were they actually clicking the number? So, as a result of looking at this, I created a call to action with the phone number so I can track to see whether people are clicking the number and whether it's mainly on a mobile device. All right, onto the HubSpot sales switch of the week, Craig. And here is where we can use meetings to directly connect with the sales team owner. And in here, we're having a smart rule to display the calendar booking. If we had a lead, an MQL, SQL, or an opportunity as a way to give people a direct way to connect to the person they're talking to in sales. So, I really
1: like this. Basically, you've said use lifecycle stage. (laughs) Yes. To then switch out and show a meeting link. Exactly. And hide it. Otherwise, if they're not on some other stages. Correct.
0: Yep. All right. On our bonus feature of the week, Craig, embedding external content on HubSpot dashboards. I love dashboards. this. You, you highlighted this to me.
1: Basically, uh, listeners, I, I think we talked about this, didn't we? We did. just talked about this a couple of episodes ago. We talked about it. would
0: be really good to have it.
1: We, we, said, we said we were talking about dashboards and you had said, oh, you know, you can put an annotation, an That's image right. there. Yes. And I was like, oh, great. You know what I'd love to be able to do is embed an iframe or something like that. Well- Basically, it's in they there now. They listen to you,
0: Craig. Well, I'm not going to say they listen
1: to me and put it in. I'm sure it's been planned. It was probably been on. That's probably been on their backlog for months, right? Months and months and months. And I just happened to mention it, and then oh, a couple of weeks later. So I, I'd love, I'd love to people to think, you know, give me credit for that. But I'm sure it's been in the roadmap for ages. But that's beside the point. The point is, it's in here, and what you can basically do is embed anything. So you've actually got an example here where you've embedded a Google Slides in there you could embed a data box um, report you could embed anything with an iframe all kinds of things and so here we see i don't think people quite realize how powerful this is you've gone from saying oh hubspot's got its own dashboard right oh and we've got to use it in conjunction with other tools to like oh no we just use the hubspot dashboard and we pull the other tools into the hubspot dashboard
0: This is powerful. Why would you leave HubSpot, Ian? You're just sitting <laughs> in HubSpot all day. You know what? <laughs> you, know, you know, when I embedded this slide, I was able to actually edit the slides from within HubSpot. And so, I, I was just like, wow, hang on a second. And so, listeners, you'll see a screenshot in there. And yeah, I was blown away. I thought, okay, maybe it's just a view only thing. But I just had that whole editing experience within that frame. Oh
1: Yeah, it's it's great. You know you know what they need? They need a uh, Twitter reader, so I can just go into HubSpot That's and right. read my Twitter feed. Oh, hang on. They've got that under the social tools. <laughs> what, what do I need to do? They just need, you know what? I can just connect my inbox into conversations. I never need to leave HubSpot. <laughs> I just stay in there the whole day.
0: <laughs> oh, there you go. Oh, I'm
1: joking with that. I wouldn't.
0: All right, until HubSpot got you the week, Craig, and this is to do with default image optimization settings.
1: Hey, have you ever had this experience? You're building a landing page, you might have the logo, you know, the client's logo, you're putting it on there, it looks great. Then when you look at the, the actual page live, it's like, oh, the logo is a bit blurring. What, what's going on? The logo, is it the resized wrong? What's going on? No, what's happened is HubSpot's default image optimization has taken effect and it's just reduced it down in size and reduced a bit of the quality. So, like, oh, man. Now, that works for a lot of images, especially, you know, those stock images and pictures of people and all that kind of stuff. But for logos or very specific, sometimes very specific infographic pieces, you don't want that to happen. Easy fix. Go and find the image. Go into File Manager. Find the image. And I've got a screenshot in the show notes. You just flick it from the default to high. high, So, it keeps the better quality image, so especially for logos.
0: All right. On to our marketing tip of the week, Craig, how people read online.
1: The Nielsen Norman Group have released a um, second edition of their monster kind of analysis, uh, eye tracking study on pe- how people read uh, web pages. Yep. And uh, linked to like that's a paid report, but they've got an article about it, which goes into some of the highlights. We've pulled a few of those out in the show notes. I won't go through them all, but just to mention, in many ways, nothing has changed. For example, people scan. They don't really read web pages. They scan. But one new thing is the pattern that they scan has kind of changed. And Nielsen Norman Group referred to this as the lawnmower pattern. And it's kind of a go down, uh, go right, go down, go left, go down, right, and sort of zigzag down the page. And it's a new kind of reading behavior. And in particular, they notice this with search results pages. Because on Google, if you think you kind of go down, then you jump over to the sidebar, then you kind of go down a bit in the sidebar. You know, the let's say it's a business listing. So, you've searched business name. Oh, jump to the right-hand sidebar and see the business listing. I'm talking about desktop here, not mobile. And then you jump back into the middle search results and then you go down then jump over a bit. And you know how in Google business listing they have and people also search for at the bottom, which I really find annoying because they're searching for my brand. I don't want to Google promoting competitor brands. Well, that's part of that lawnmower thing because you go down, then across, then down, and then across. So, interesting things there. There's two takeaways that I think listeners can take from this. One is that behavior hasn't changed in terms of scanning. So, if you're writing long, wordy pieces, that's not going to work. You really need to punctuate it with easy-to-read headings and make it very scannable. But two, just be aware that it doesn't have to be linear down the page. It can move across. And they give a good example of e-commerce product pages. And instead of all being listed one down below as kind of a zigzag, you know, alternating... So, you find companies doing that now, and it's basically because it correlates with how people view web pages.
0: So, Craig, I think what would be interesting is how do people read mobile web pages as opposed to desktop?
1: Yeah, well, mobile is very much more linear because it's such so so much smaller, but also much harder to do eye-tracking studies on those, mm. and and also... People read those in different scenarios. Some people are looking down because they're just waiting in a queue. Others are on their commute home, on the bus kind of stuff. So, yeah, I don't think we have enough data points on that. But I think it's telling, though, that Google is, yeah, there's only one column and we've seen – and that's why we've always said for probably the last two years in, we've said the shift to your emails should be single column purely for mobile.
0: So, listeners, takeaway from this is have a look at your pages, especially if a bulk of your traffic – is it desktop related and see how people are using the page? And a really simple way to do that is using something like Hotjar and watch what people do, because especially on desktop, you'll notice people move their mouse where their eye is heading. And that is such a key giveaway when looking and thinking about how can I make that page better or give people something faster than what they're looking for. So there's a little insight. Talking about insight, onto our Insight of the week, Craig. As marketers, we need to be thinking wider than just marketing. Thanks to you for prompting me on this,
1: because you mentioned a tweet that Damesh gave on on Twitter. Do you want to give a bit of background, a bit of context to that tweet?
0: Yeah, it was a tweet I came across from an earnings call and and one of the, the person on Twitter called Personal SH said and they were talking about Operations Hub. So I think there's a questions about Operations Hub. And Damesh has responded like, they kind of lifted their heads up now and they're more like emus. So they kind of look around, not quite there yet. But what we want to do with Ops Hub, Operations Hub, is take them from emus and elevate them to eagles with much more visibility and velocity. And that got me thinking, what are we missing when we think about Operations Hub? Or let's when we're thinking about a product or in this case, operations hub in HubSpot, what are we missing and not seeing that the likes of Damesh and Brian and the whole team at HubSpot are thinking about it? Yeah, it's a good question.
1: And just to, to fill in the context of that, so yeah, that mm-hmm. emus and eagles thing, referring to the fact that previously people had their head in the sand, I think that was the context. Correct. And it's kind of like people don't know what's going on. I've got this data, I've got CRM data, I don't know what's going on, uh, it's just siloed, that kind of thing. And I think you're right and it's highlighting and so the inside of the week, which I've written in the show notes, is, is around the idea that marketers need to think more broadly than just marketing. And as marketing, and this is more for the CMO, but for just the marketing exec and marketing manager, they might think, oh, I, I'm just looking after marketing. You know, I've got brand style guide and guidelines and I've got my campaigns I'm running and I've got to get, get some assets. That's all, you know, that's it. And I'm not going to look more broadly. And I think that's potentially dangerous. And really, as marketers, we need to be thinking across the company in terms of the data. So the CRM data, who owns that? Is it IT? No, I don't think so. Is it sales? I don't think so. Well, who actually looks after? I want to suggest if you're the marketing person, you look after it because you have it now, but a couple of years down the track, you might not so looking after it now with a couple of intents in mind. So the first is you've got to keep it clean and therefore reliable. And the second is you should be looking to enrich it so that it becomes more valuable. You've got to look at your CRM data as an asset. This is a valuable asset, not something that just churns 30% a year, you know, and people leave. You've got to keep this clean because that's an asset for the company. And if you're the CMO and in charge of that, that actually gives you a lot of value to the business. And so then coming back to what you raised, Ian, it's this idea and what Dharmesh is alluding to. And you're asking the question, so what are they seeing with Operations Hub five years down the track? And I don't know, but I think it's a good question to ask and to consider. Maybe we should ask Dharmesh that (laughs) directly. But as marketers, we need to ask that. It's not just someone else's problem. It's actually our opportunity. And so keep that in mind, listeners. If you're in marketing, what do you think HubSpot has in mind for Operations Hub five years down the, down the line? What is their vision there? And it's very much, I would suggest, around integration and ensuring, first of all, HubSpot is the center of the universe for everything in your business. You can see that's where they're going. But two, it's around protecting the data and making it valuable and enriched. And as a CMO, that's your opportunity.
0: I couldn't agree more, Craig. I think. It's one of those things where I would challenge people to think about how they utilize the data and how different people utilize the data. Like when we work across different teams, you might say some, we might have the data in in the system, right? But it's not readily visible to them. So they go, I can't see that. And it could be clearly like we need to create a separate uh, view or we need to create a separate section on the contact dashboard or the deal dashboard or the company dashboard that actually shows them that data that's pertaining to them. So, how do you do that? And how do you get everyone in on the same page and helping you enrich that data for utilization? That's a really big point. All right, onto HubShots throwback of the week, Craig. And can you believe it? This time a year ago, HubSpot added the ability to add multiple domains to companies in HubSpot. What? That is right. Know. I didn't know about this. That was a year ago,
1: Craig. No way. How did I not know about this? <laughs> you know what? I
0: really need to subscribe to the Hubshot show notes in. <laughs> All right. Now we've got, lists. we've got lots of resources and this is from the Google I.O. 2021 recap. Craig, take it away.
1: All right. So most of you will know that, well, if you're a Google watcher, you'd know they have their annual I.O. event. There's so many sessions on a variety of topics, but including SEO and search. And if you want the recap, thanks to Olga, who's put together a massive SEO takeaways recap. And I will just warn you, yes, Core Web Vitals features a lot. You cannot escape it. I'm sick of Core Web Vitals, Ian, but uh, we just can't escape it.
0: It's here to stay, Craig. (laughs) It's here to
1: stay. Uh, It's here to stay, but possibly, you know, I do wonder if the airtime it's getting is way out of proportion to the actual relevance it has. But anyway, that's, that's just me. Still uh, very important. Amongst the announcement, Google introduced MUM, M-U-M, a new AI milestone for understanding information. We've got a link to that. I'm not across that yet, Ian. That's some interesting reading I've got coming up in the next week.
0: And listeners, we've got some bonus links. We talked about Google AI can predict gender from a retinal scan. This is fascinating. I cannot, can I just explain this? I'll just I quickly. Think you should.
1: This is all about um, Google's AI and that. So what they did there's nothing to do with marketing or search although you you'll see how it applies in a second. So they fed it all this retinal scan, you know, retinal scans, people's eyes, and they, you know, looking for diseases and issues. But then because they'd given part of the data set input, they'd put gender, then they started saying, "Oh, to new ones, what gender is this and could it pick? And Google's AI worked it out. I forget the accuracy rate, 85 percent percent It was pretty high. But here's the thing. They don't know how it worked it out. That's just AI worked it out. So they actually don't know. <laughs> and so now can you see where this is going? Imagine applying this to marketing and AI works out what advertising works better or what campaign works better. And we don't even know why, but the AI works it out. Anyway, interesting article there. And also, uh, it's in Lancet. It's, a, you know, it's, a, it's a, a proper peer-reviewed scientific article. So, fascinating.
0: And we've got quite a few resources to do with uh, machine learning, how Google fights web spam. And we also have some Twitter threads on landing page and copywriting tips, which I encourage people to look at because there's lots of great resources. So in there. many
1: bonus links this week.
0: And final listeners, listeners, our quote of the week.
1: Do you want me to read this one? Go for it, Craig. Okay, this is from Noam Chomsky. Way back in 1998, by the way, 20-odd years ago, he said, the smart way to keep people passive and obedient is to strictly limit the spectrum of acceptable opinion but allow very lively debate within that spectrum. I've been thinking about this a lot, Ian, lately. Yeah. And... I don't want to say too much, but the thing that's, I guess, triggering in me yes, is for one thing on social, you know how people get on, on social yep. and just argue very lively and often meanly about things. And part of me feels like the debate is very heated in areas that aren't that important and I wish the debate would be wider. But the second is it's such a hard line between censorship of harmful things out and yet challenging things in that potentially we don't like. And you and I have chatted, not on the show, but we've chatted about some politicians that we do and don't like. And I think, sadly, some of the politicians that I have probably respected the most have had hardline positions that I've completely disagreed with because they stood up for them. And I've actually you know, then voted to get them out because I don't want their policy to go ahead. But yet at the same time, I respect, they took a stand and they were allowed to take that stand. It just so happens I totally disagreed with it. Hmm. And I kind of like that. And yet we seem on social and other channels to be really limiting what we can talk about. And it's a hard line. I get, I get that we've got to protect people and we don't want hate speech, of course, but there's things that need to be discussed. And, you know, more than 20 years ago, and well, forever it seems... We've been that's challenged right. not to, we just talk within the spectrum. So, I'll, I'll leave it at that. I won't say more.
0: And uh, listeners, Craig has highlighted a new Zoom setting, which I would encourage you to have a look at. And you should subscribe to the show notes so you can get the get the <laughs> screenshot of it. <laughs> that's, that's a mock-up. Hey, what did you think of that? <laughs>
1: that LinkedIn lols. That was pretty funny. Oh, man. Do you want to read that out? Yeah, All let's right. read that out. Okay. So, someone on Twitter said, how would you write, I changed a light bulb? On your resume, right? So, I changed the light bulb. How do you put on resume? <laughs> this person's replied and said, single-handedly manage the successful upgrade and deployment of new environmental illumination system <laughs> with zero cost overruns and zero safety incidents. I think it's great. And then someone on Twitter has just put, how to do LinkedIn. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's cult.
0: <laughs> well, listeners, I hope you've enjoyed this show and you can jump on some personalization. And don't forget to register for our upcoming 28-day marketing challenge and reserve your interest. And we will get back to you. Craig, have a great week. Catch you later, Ian. Hey there. Thanks for listening to this episode of HubShots. To get the latest show notes, HubSpot
1: tips and marketing resources, sign up at HubShots.com. You can also book time with us to help you grow better with HubSpot.